welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Once again, much delighted for this opportunity um, that we do have to serve God together and uh, to give praises unto our God. Again, like I said last time, I'd rather be here than be elsewhere. I mean... If God were to come down right now, I would love, to, I would love that he meets me in his presence, in his house of worship with fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. Before I go, I just want to, listen, there is something about us Africans when it comes to, to worship. We give our all. We don't hold back. Because we do believe that this body, God gave us for his glory. So that is why you see when we sing, we dance, we do whatever, all is for the glory of God. That is just how we do our own worship. This is nothing yet. <laughs> this is nothing yet. But we are praying that um, in his time, God is, what actually God is doing right now is trying to connect. It's, 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 it's a process of groundbreaking. And you know that during that process, when you build, you're doing farming, you're doing groundbreaking, it's very hard. So that is what we are doing right now. But I want to believe that don't be discouraged. Keep on coming. Don't give up. Keep on coming. God is building his church. Amen. God is building his church. Um, we're looking forward that day when we'll come here and there'll be an explosion and people full, packed full, every race, every tribe, and all come and assemble together corporately and worship the God, our creator, together, amen? And that is the purpose of this service. So I am very grateful that um, by his grace, things are uh, picking up one step at a time, just a step at a time, just a step at a time. Again, I want to really plead, please do not give up praying for us. Again, like I said, this is a church and it's our thing. Okay. Don't withdraw and say it is African words. No, no, it is our thing. So please pray for the church. Pray for us. Pray for the various ministries of the church. Okay, this is our thing. So um, this evening I will be sharing a very sensitive topic. A very sensitive topic because we are living in times where people need to be asked the question, which I'm going to use as my topic: Are you fully in are you fully in if i have to twist that question and rephrase it i will ask it this way are you a born again child of god are you a christian you know i said this because today we have just a lot of people that claim the identity that they are christians but when you, not being judgmental, but when you look at their lifestyle, their lifestyle does not in any way correlate with what being a Christian is. Like there is no distinction. You can't, like you go to the world, the things that the people of the world do, you find them there doing the things of the world. Then tomorrow on Sunday you come, you find them also in the church and they are just like between and between standing in the fence and they don't know where they belong. This is very destructive and this is a kind of hypocritical lifestyle that Christ actually frowns against so seriously and I want to before I progress into the lesson I want to ask you this question as we all are seated here maybe our neighbors they see us all the time we leave the house and we carry our big Bible and we are driving to the church all the time they see us our church activities and come here on Wednesdays, we come here on Sundays maybe two or three times and we are so involved in the things of the church. That is very good. But the question is, if Christ were to ask you right now, 
Are you a Christian? Are you a born again? I use this topic to refer to a situation, a church in, in the book of Revelation, one of the seven churches in, in Roman Asia, when the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, led the Holy Spirit now to minister to John to write this revelation down, to address the situation of these seven churches. And one of the churches that we're going to talk tonight is the church at Laodicea. Now, as we get into this lesson, I want to ask this topic, this question again, as the topic is, are you all in? Are you a born-again child of God? Are you a Christian? If you are not a Christian, I pray that just open your heart. Let all of us open our hearts to this message and see what the Holy Spirit is going to minister. So that at the end, I think we might have gained more grounds to now make a decision. What it means to be all in. So, like I said, there is today, honestly, there is a wave out there. A, there is a wave of religion out there. They are just the proliferation of so many churches outside there. To the point where it is really so confusing to tell which is which. Because if you, I mean, like, it has never been before like that for so many years. You have, and all, unfortunately, most of these churches, if you see their activities, actually, and if you see the lives of the Christians, it does not reflect what the Bible talks about Christianity, how to live a Christian life. So there is a way out there that in the name of religion that it is leading so many people astray. Many people rush to fill the pews of these groups because their aging ears are fed with what they want to hear. You see, some of these churches, they are just jam-packed of people because the people, they are rushing to those churches because they are feeding them with what they want to hear. They want to hear about prosperity. They want to hear about your life just being changed like this within a second. They want to hear that the preacher will tell you that I prophesy your life, that things are going to happen right now. They want to hear that when you go to your house or check your bank account tomorrow, there will be money inside. Those are the things that they want to hear. They want to hear just good stuff. Many are so confused that their loyalty to this congregation makes them to be ignorant to who a born again is. So confusing that you want to share Christ with them. They'll tell you, no, I'm a Christian. I, I go to this church. I, I do this particular thing. But does that what makes you, is that what really makes you a Christian? Many people today, unfortunately, are caught up in two worlds, making it difficult to tell where exactly they belong. And because of this, you know today, it is difficult to win somebody for Christ because of all this confusion that is out there. It is so tough today to win somebody for Christ that you share the gospel. Before you even open the they'll they, they tell you, I know that. And though maybe they will recite the end of the verse for you, help you to recite it to the end. But deep, when it comes to the, the fabric of their being, of who a Christian is, what they are practicing does not conform to the word of God. Are you fully in? So this passage in Revelation as, as has been read by uh, Brother uh, 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 Innocent here, it seeks to address a similar situation. The situation in Laodicea is not different actually from what is happening today. 
Now, I want to give a short background setting of this book. A lot of people, they say that the book of Revelation is, that, that, that book, uh, Revelation was the book of, written by John. Yes, John actually was the writer, but it was the book of Jesus Christ, the revelation from Jesus Christ that through the angel told John to write this down. So the book of Revelation, that's why it's one of the most delicate. I say delicate because if you must read this book, just read it, pray the Holy Spirit to really give you that understanding. It's a book that is one of the most difficult books to understand from the other books because it has some stuff that it could be very scary, just like the book of Daniel is. So the revelation is the book from, is the revelation of Jesus Christ that uh, uh, through the angel was sent to tell John to write it down. Yeah, although John wrote it, the very first two sentences, we can see an, an example of this. In Revelation chapter 1, 1 to 2, tells us who the actual author of the book of Revelation is. It says, the revelation, if you, can, if you open your Bible to Revelation chapter 1, you hear verse 1 says that, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you get that? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must surely come to pass. And he sent the signified, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So the book of Revelation, actually, Jesus Christ is the author. He, he, he is the author, the author of the book. Through John, just to really start to write it down. So this is a revelation of Jesus Christ that he showed John to tell the Christians about the things that are going to are going to happen. Now, the purpose of this book: Why was Jesus? Why did Jesus actually ask John to write these things? I'll give just a few. One of the reasons was, like I said earlier, to write letters to the seven churches in the Roman Empire of Asia. We can see that in Revelation one verse four. Not only limiting, I said not only limiting to these churches in those days, but also this letter is very, very, very vital and useful to us, to the church of God today as well. Secondly, to give correction to the churches and to encourage them to endure till the end. So it was not only giving correction unto them for the things that were doing which was not right, but also it was encouraging them to endure till the end. As a matter of fact, without the Holy Spirit, I said, without the Holy Spirit, I want to think that all of us here could have backslid because we could have backslid because I don't think there is any Christian here who have never in your lifetime, in your Christian lifetime, I don't think there is anybody who has not faced, faced temptations and trials and moments that you want to give up and moments that you feel that you cannot take it anymore. I want to think that all of us all in our Christian race, in our Christian walk in the Lord, we might have come through a situation where you feel like, man, this thing is too much, right? But you are still who you are and you're still moving on because of the encouragement that is coming from the word of God, right? So this is one of the reasons that uh, this book of Revelation was, was given. Now, we are want, to, we want to talk about specifically the church at Laodicea. Of all the seven churches mentioned, this is, take this very seriously, of all the seven churches that was mentioned in this book, only the church of Laodicea never received any encouraging word from Jesus Christ. Because you know why? Because they were steepened in the world and had grown so lukewarm. Read those seven letters and you see, you test with me that the church of Laodicea, they never had any encouragement. Because this church, as we're going to see in a moment, they were, very, they were just puffed up with pride. 
because they feel that they were so wealthy. They got it all, so they did not need God for anything. And this also pertains to us Christians here. You feel that because you have a good job, you feel that because you live in a good neighborhood, you feel that because you have a wonderful career, you feel that everything is just good for you. So you feel that because everything is good for you, then you don't need God anymore. Well, we're going to see in a minute what God addressed, what Jesus said to this caliber of people. So they had compromised the gospel of Jesus Christ and as a warning, John wrote about those things that must take place. The hope was that they would repent and do the former works that they, they had been doing. Now, let's see what was happening in the church of Laodicea. Let's see why was this church so particular. Why did this church have to go the way they, 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 they went? Why were they so uh, uh, out, of, out of order among the other churches? Why were they so proud? Why, why did they not, you know, why did they not receive any word of encouragement? And, and this pertains to us also. When, when God blesses us with material things, with wealth, you know, if we are not careful, we'll feel that you have it all, that you don't need God again. A lot of people have fallen because at some point in their lives, when God blessed them, they feel that they have attained the peak, so they don't need anybody anymore. As a matter of fact, we do have that every day when you check Christ with people outside there. They tell that, what do I need God for? I'm fine, I have a house, I have a good job, and, and my bank book is floating every day. Why do I need God for? You know, we have such caliber of people even in the churches today. So, Laodicea actually was strategically located. It was situated on a plateau in the Lycus River, River Valley, and had two major Roman highways that meant met to it. So, this actually gave them an outlet for good for commerce. You know, if anywhere you have a seaport, good commerce goes on in that place. So, they were strategically located. The city was extremely wealthy due to agriculture and commerce. The city served as a major banking center to the other uh, uh, seven uh, 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 cities around. It had excellent soil suitable for farming and grazing. The city was devastated. Now, this is also important. So at one point, at AD 60, this country, Laodicea, was devastated with a serious earthquake. Because they were so devastated, so the citizens actually, they came together, they rallied themselves together, and they were able to rebuild their country without needing or asking financial help from nobody. So this makes them actually to be so proud because they have the means, because they have the money, so they feel that mm, at this point they don't need God anymore. They feel that they don't need Christ anymore. And that is why when the Lord sent this, 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 this revelation and was, was speaking to John to write it, he says in verse 14, he says that, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right, these things said the Amen, the faithful and true witness, and the beginning, the creation of, the beginning of the creation of God. And this is what he says in verse 15. God says, Jesus said, I know thy works, that thou I neither hot, cold nor hot. I will wet cold or hot. So that because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spit thee out of my mouth. So this is what he's saying. Listen, God knows everything that we do. You think that you can hide it from God? We think that we can just show to people publicly that you're a Christian, or we down within you, you know you are not a Christian. Our works does not make us Christian. Our world does not make us a Christian. Living in whatever you are, your class does not make you a Christian. So God, Jesus says, he knows the work. 
And Jesus actually wished because the people were like standing on the fence. They were kind of like standing in the fence. The things of the world, they are there. The things of God, they are there. They are standing in the fence. So they, were, they themselves were confused. They did not know where they belong. And Christ says that, I know your works. I wish that you were either hot or cold. But like I see you, you are neither cold, you are neither hot. And Jesus says in verse 16, he says that, I wish that you were cold. He says, verse 16, he says that, so then, because you are not hot and because you are not cold, he said what? I'm about to do what? To spit you out of my mouth. Many years ago, um, <laughs> I love this, this, this Revelation 2, verse 16. Many years ago, uh, this passage, this verse ministered to me very powerfully. It disturbed me a lot for a very long time. There was one sister, she came and ministered to us. And she, the way she presented this, uh, uh, this, 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 uh, this verse to us, to the, when I was in the youth group by then, the way she presented this to us, she said, can you just hold your hand like this, like a cup? And so just imagining, imagine that you spit into your hand, right? I know it's nasty, right? But I'm doing this for a purpose. But he said, imagine that you spit into your hand. And, he asked the, and she asked the question, let's assume that you, you spit into your hand and there is a bunch of spit lying right there. He said, are you able to take it back in your mouth? It's nasty, right? And he, she went on, she said, when Jesus says that he's about to spit you out of the mouth, it's just like the spit. That because you are not hot and because you are not cold, it therefore means that you are neither useful for the kingdom of God. So Jesus is about to do what? To spit you out of his mouth. And when the Lord spit you out of the mouth, it is done with you. It is done with you. So therefore, what are we saying here? We are saying here that if you know for sure that down deep in your mind, you have never had an encounter where personally you invite Jesus Christ to come into your life, to forgive your sin, and to be your Lord and Savior, and then you join as you're in the church, and now you, you start to join other fellow brothers and sisters to live for Christ, that is when you're a Christian. But if we are jumping here and show to the world that you are a Christian and when they go out there, they find you to, you're doing things that a Christian is not supposed to do. And they come here in church, they find you are singing and praising God and doing all the good stuff. And, and it is more confusing because that is a life of hypocrisy. And the Lord hates hypocrisy. And that's why Jesus says, this caliber of people, if you don't change, if you don't repent, if you don't turn around, I will do what? I will spit you out of my mouth. And if I do speak you out of, speak you out of my mouth, like we all know, nobody spit, you can't spit and take it back. It will be tough to be taken back. So the church at Laodicea, Jesus Christ actually, he confronted them. He says that, I know your works. I know your deeds. Let us see what was actually wrong with these people. Let's go to verse 17. Jesus specifically, he pointed, being pointed, what was wrong with these people in verse 17. In verse 17, Jesus says, he says that, because thou sayest, means that this is what the people, they boast. They are so proud. They are so arrogant. And this is what they say. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods. 
and have need for nothing. And then God, Jesus, when he says that, knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? Do you see that? So here in one end, the first part of that verse, the people of Laodicea, just like people today in our churches, just like people today in the world, they say that they are rich. They say that they have, they, 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 they have many increasing goods. They say that they, know, they don't need anything because they have money in the bank. They, have, they are just, they are good, they are wealthy. They say they don't need anything. So that means that they don't even need Christ. They don't need God. Let's listen what Christ said. Jesus said, <laughs> you say you are rich. Jesus said, you are wretched. Not only wretched, you are miserable. Not only so, you are poor. Not only that, but you are blind. And worst of all, he says that you are naked. That means that, listen, whoever you hold yourself, you carry yourself up to be without Christ, you are all these things that Christ listed here. Without Christ, whether you have every money in the bank owned by you, Christ says that what? You are wretched, you are miserable, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. When you say you are naked, it means that you are nothing. Garbage. That is what it means. So therefore, as we move forward, I ask this question again. Are you fully in? Are you fully in? Have you met Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? Have your sins be, be bought over and, and forgiven? Are you living a victorious life for Jesus Christ? If not, God's time is here now. This is the time. My prayer, before I end this message, my prayer is this, that no one, nobody should leave this building without making peace with God if you have not yet done so. Because the truth is that there are so many people in churches today that they don't know what it means by giving your life to Jesus they just come to church. My dad was a Christian, my, or a deacon in the church, my pastor. So they attach their religiosity to somebody in the family who was maybe a pastor, a preacher. So they feel that that will make them a Christian. No. You may be twins who were born the same day. If one person is a Christian, that does not make that the next person is also a Christian because becoming a Christian is a decision that everybody does. Everybody, you, you do it individually. Are you in? In verse 18, Jesus gave his counsel. Jesus, you know one thing I love, I love about the Bible is that when you read a section, you know, there is always a way for a turnaround. There is always a way for invitation. There is always a way. You know, God makes a way. There is always a second chance. This is what I would say better. There is always a second chance. And in verse 18, he says that, I counsel thee. So, you know what a counsel, counseling means? Jesus Christ is advising you. He's begging and pleading with you. Listen, this is my suggestion for you. I'm counseling you. Please, please, listen. 
If you are living this lifestyle like the Laodiceans and feel that you have everything and that you don't know, you don't know, you don't, you don't need the Lord, let me tell you something. You are naked. As he says in verse 17, you are naked. But listen, I have a chance for you. There is a way out for you. And this is what I want to do. I want you to come. Come. Come and we will, we will make, I like uh, 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 Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. He says, that, come and let us reason together. Come, let us reason together. Let us sit down man to man and, and, and let's sit down and let's talk together. Though your sins may be as scarlet, because we talk together, they shall be as white as, as snow. Though they be as red as crimson, they shall be like what? They shall be as wool. So therefore, come, let us make peace. Come, let us reason out together. So verse 18, actually, Jesus Christ is giving a counsel of a way out. And when you give a counsel of a way out, Jesus actually is bringing in, uh, echoing Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1. And to summarize that, I said, these needed things can be acquired only in Jesus Christ. So every word Christ was saying here in that verse 18, to sum it up, everything we need in this life, our way out in this life is only in Jesus Christ and no one else. Only Jesus Christ can save us. Money will not save us. Your fame will not save you. Your power will not save you. Your position will not save you. Whatever you think you are will not save you. But it is only Jesus Christ who can save you. You know why? Because he is certified to do that. That's the only one who is certified to save people. No one else. That is why the Bible tells us in John chapter 14, 6, Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father except by me. And to those of our viewers online, I just want to greet you. I just want to say this. If you are counting on what you have, if you are counting on fame, if you are counting on your daddy because your father was a Christian, that that will make you a Christian. If you are counting on your mother because your mother was a Christian, and that will make you a Christian. If you are counting because in the family you had somebody, or a pastor, or a preacher, whoever, that will not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And you say, Father, I have sinned against you. Please forgive my sin. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. That is the prerequisite of becoming a Christian. Nothing else. According to verse 18, the gospel is divine riches for our spiritual, for our spiritual poverty. The gospel is the white robe of righteousness for our sinfulness. The gospel is a spiritual side for our blindness. I want us to look, I'm ending the message now. I want to look some few, I just saw there's some few signs of lukewarmness. The signs of lukewarm. How do you know that you're lukewarm? How do you know that somebody is, is lukewarm? And the first thing is, you know a person who is lukewarm, the first thing is they go with the flow. A person who is lukewarm, they go with the flow. Everything to them is yes. You know, when there is a drum beating this way, boom, they jump inside. There's a car inside here, they jump inside. There is no difference. There is no distinction. You can't tell if they're Christian because you go in the things of the world, they are there. They go with the masses. I want to identify with people. Oh, yeah, this one is going, so I am also going. It's so good for me. But that is very, very wrong. And a good substance about that is in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 20 to 26. So these people, what they do, they pick what is popular over what is right. They don't care about what, 
Because they feel that, you know, they don't want to be isolated. They don't want to feel like, wow, they don't want to be called names. So they follow the crowd. They want to become popular. They have that desire to look good and to identify with the so-called great men of God. I'm not being rude or being negative about I know that there are a lot of men out there that God is using. But this is what these people do. They elevate preachers. They elevate people like them. They listen more to what the preacher says than to what the, the Bible says. You hear somebody say, my papa, this is what it is. my papa said, this. my preacher said this. So they believe what the preacher said to what the Bible says. Do we know that the recent incident, I'm not saying recent, but a few years ago, the incident of Jamestown, do we know that? Where there was a fake preacher who, maybe I think they, 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 he fooled a group of people and they drank all of them, they drank poison and they died. We, we, we might have come across that story. There are situations where people, I know this is very common in Africa. Because people say there is a great man of God who has come from, they, they, say, they always say this great man of God who has come from somewhere. You find a woman leaving her house and going to sleep in the, because they, they, they're going to the church and sleeping in the church because they, they prefer what the man of God says to what the Bible says. Listen, all of us seated here, if you believe your preacher and you elevate your preacher more than the word of God, then you are lukewarm, you are carnal, you are naked. You know what the Bible tells us? It says that lift the name of the Savior up so that he will do what? So that he will do what? Draw men unto himself. So you are not, we are not supposed to lift our pastors up. Or, no, no. Let me, I like to balance. What I'm saying is that we should not disrespect. We should honor our pastors. Honor our leaders because the Bible also requires us. But what I'm saying is for the people who actually, they listen to what the pastor or the preacher or the leader says, even when it does not conform to the word of God. If your leader says anything that does not conform to the word of God, that is what I mean. I hope I'm making things clear right now. So those people... They are lukewarm. You know what Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5 says? It says, curse be to anyone who put a trust in man. That's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Curse be to anyone who put his or her trust in man. If you were to read further to go to verse 7 of that Jeremiah chapter 17, he said, but blessed is anyone who put his trust but in the Lord. Let's go to the next point. The second point and the last. Another sign of lukewarm is you pick those people, they pick and choose beliefs. And this is what they say. They say the Bible is open for interpretation. That is a big lie. If the Bible were to be open for any interpretation, then what is the work of the Holy Spirit? I know very well that it is the Holy Spirit who interprets the Bible. Not any interpretation as people say. So a lukewarm person, they say that, no, so therefore I can twist the word of God in the way that will suit the contents of my situation. That is what open to interpretation means. The only one who interprets the Bible for us, that's why it is always good to pray and depend on the Holy Spirit to give you the message from God's word. They select scriptures that fit into their pre-existing worldview and ideas. They pick and choose beliefs based on their comforts. 
What does Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 to 16 says? I read it again for the last time, then I tell a short story. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wet cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That is King James Version. So are you fully in? Are you fully in? I want to end this message with a very a true story. I was born in part of Cameroon, which is a southwest region that had so many plantations, had oceans, and had so many opportunities, whereby most of these companies, during that time, most of these companies, during the summer holiday, like almost now, they will call students from different places and give them job, holiday job. And uh, this story, I know it because it happened with one young man who used to work with my elder sister and my elder brother. So they went to a palm plantation, and what they were doing, they were going, and then, so a, a, a palm plant, the palm tree produces nut. The nut they use all in so many things. So when, when, the, when the fruit is ripened, some of those nuts, they lose and they fall down. So the company, what they do is they hire students during holiday period to go around and pick those nuts because they are very, very useful. So this guy, I know his name, his name is Atom. So this guy, actually, he got so excited and saw what was happening, and he too was excited to see that all that, all, all that the schoolmates, they are working in this place. Well, the difference is, my sisters and my brothers and all other students who actually went to work for that company for holiday job, they went through the right employment process. They went to the office, they wrote their names and do everything that they, they did everything that they do through the, uh, during the employment process and their names were written down and they were assigned to a lead. So this young man now, he never went to follow the same process of employment, but what he was doing was he went with my sisters and the other group of people. So they were going directly into the farm, the farm plantation, to harvest the nuts. Well, he was doing this happily. They were doing this very happily. He was, he, he, he was so passionate about it. They went and they were working. And guess what? At the end of the month, in Cameroon, they pay monthly. They don't pay bi-weekly like they do here. They pay monthly. So at the end of the month, pay time has come. And usually what they do, how they do it is that during pay, you, they, have a, they stand in a queue and then you go and meet the cashier, whoever is paying. So my sister and all, they went in the line, followed the line, and then they received their pay, and they pay you according to peace rate. They pay you on, on based on what you did. Now, it came the turn of this young man, Atom. He was so excited and was very excited, looking forward to have his own wage of the work he has done. But you know what? It's true. Atom was working. He was going and picking those, not putting it in bags and come, and they weighed it. But you know what was wrong with Atem? Atem never went through the normal employment process and his name, he, the company never recognized him. So that means that everything that he was doing throughout that month, it went to the drain because the company did not recognize him and he could not be paid because he was not recognized as one of the employees. So at the end, when Atem went there, he met the guy and said, they say, what is your name? He, he called his name. The man looked through the register, the payroll looked through from start to finish and said, I, I, I didn't see your name here. He said, no, I, I was working. I've been coming ask all these people they know me yeah they know you but where is your name this is a true story i'm not making this up this is a true story and that guy looked through looked through went and said atem can i see your id card he gave the id card and they looked through all the names and 
His name was not in the register. His name was not on the payroll. You know why? Because he did not go through the normal employment process. Even though he was working and working and working really hard, but the company did not recognize him because his name was not in the register. And the cashier, the payman said, Atem, I'm so sorry. We don't have no money for you. There's no pay for you. Atem said, but I have been working. I was working. Ask all these people. Yeah, we know. But Atem, your name is not here. According to company policy, we pay only employees whose names are registered. Those are people who, are, who have been hired, who came through the normal way. Yes, you've been doing all these things. Atem, we are sorry. We cannot pay you because there's no money for you because your name is not on that register. Atem cried, fell down, ruled down, cried, and did everything that he could do to, to, to attract sympathy, but there was no way for Atem. They could not pay him, and that was right. They could not pay Atem because even though Atem was working, even though he was coming every day and picking all those notes and they weighed it, but Atem's name was not in the official register. A day is coming when, unfortunately, it will happen to some people. People who are standing on the fence, you feel that you are a Christian. The Bible says that, at the end, Christ will say that, go away. I don't know you. I don't wish that to happen to anybody. Because you know why? We have the opportunity right now. And I want to end by giving this invitation for anyone to respond. Revelation 3.20 says that, Behold, I stand at the door, the door of your heart, and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. So, brothers and sisters, I'm ending this message this evening by giving an invitation to anybody out there. If you know for sure, for sure that things were to happen to you right now and now. If you know that you're not sure if you are a Christian, I just want you to come and we'll pray for you and show you what it means to be a Christian. You receive Christ so that at the end, someday, you will not say that you were, Lord, was I not giving this in your name? Was I, was I not praying in your name? And the Lord will say, get out from my face. I know you're not. Can we stand on our feet, please? I love this song. Oh, to Jesus I surrender all, to him I freely give, I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily.
The next two Sundays, we will not have the African worship service, right, Pastor? Uh, but I think the last Sunday of the month or so, we have African worship service. Please don't be discouraged, especially for my brothers and sisters from Africa. Let's not be discouraged. That's how the work, of, the work of God is. It's sad sometimes in this way, but God's hand is upon it. Okay, We thank the church again. We always say that we thank the church for trying to get an exploit in this area. But I believe that God's hand in it, and his time is going to make things to work. Okay, um, Let us pray. Pastor Dan, do you have something to say, sir? Oh, the 22nd. Thank you so much. Yeah, so May the 22nd, we have a service. Please invite. Thank you for coming, and I will invite you again. Please, we are still, again, I wanted to, we are still working on a way that we will write the choruses that are sung to project them so that you all can participate. We are working on that. Um, I'm just hoping that the next time we have African worship service again, you all will be able to join us by reading our song so that you participate in the worship. Thank you so much. Okay, let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you so much for this wonderful day. Thank you, Holy Father, for speaking into our hearts. Lord, may your word, O oh God, haunt us. May your word correct us. May your word train us. May your word rebuke us and give us the power to turn around and to follow you. We just want to pray for each and everyone who has made it here today, Father. That may your double portion blessing be or be their portion in the mighty name of Jesus. Pray that God you will meet them according to their point of need. As we go to our various houses, Father, may you protect us, bless our weak, give us energy, wisdom, and strength to be able to do the things and accomplish the things that we have laid down for us for next week. Thank you so much, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you so very much. And God bless you all. Oh, please. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I am sorry. Please, forgive me. Offering. I'm so sorry. We are Baptists. I'm sorry. Please, don't go with the offering. Don't go with the offering. We have to state offering, please. Well, um, if you see the situation, the thing is that they have black boxes in it. Okay. Okay. Okay, yeah. That's just fine. We have a bus at the welcome center.